Welcome to this podcast featuring well-known Bible teacher, Kevin Connor. For more information, visit kevinconnor.org. On our first uh, session tonight, we want to just have an overview uh, of some things about the Psalms, uh, because we find that the, uh, this book is... Uh, you know, quite neglected when it comes to church life. Uh, I, I don't think I've ever heard anybody uh, give expositions of the Psalms over the years, except Psalm 23. Uh, everybody knows that Psalm. It's used at uh, gravesides. It's used by believers and unbelievers. Uh, yeah, but most most of the other 150 are not uh, advanced. Okay, so uh, let's move right into our session here tonight, session one. And uh, as you know, we've got 150 psalms. There's no way we're going to be able to do it in four weeks. So uh, I'm going to tell you each week the assignment that you have to do for next sessions, read Psalm so-and-so. So that'll be your assignment at the end and through the week. All right, so our first question here is, why do we study the Psalms? And uh, please bring your Bible. I ask you to bring your Bible because this is a Bible track. So I'd like you to turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. And uh, we're just going to look at a few reasons why uh, we particularly uh, need to study the Psalms. So 2 Timothy chapter 3. And I'm reading from uh, New King James here. So 2 Timothy chapter 3 and uh, verse 16 and 17. Paul is writing to his son in the faith, Timothy. And he says, From a childhood you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Then in verse 16 he says, All scripture. Everybody say all scripture. Uh, now, it bothers me, some of the new translations are coming out today, they say every scripture which is inspired of God. That sounds very interesting, but it's faulty. I personally believe all scripture. Because the moment you say every scripture which is given by inspiration, where you say, oh, some are inspired, some are not. I, I prefer this translation that says all scripture. So if you're buying different translations, check them out. So all scripture is given by inspiration. That word inspiration is literally God breathed. God breathed out. Uh, what does the word expire mean? Breathe out. <laughs> yeah, you breathe your last. What does it mean to perspire? Sweat it out. Okay, what does it mean to inspire? And that's the thought we have here, that uh, the Scripture is inspired by God. God breathed into the different writers what he wanted written out. So we've got to think of that. All Scripture is God-breathed, or it's written by inspiration of God, given by inspiration of God, and it's profitable. And you'll notice several things it's profitable for. Number one, uh, for doctrine. Number two, or for teaching. Number two, for reproof. Number three, for correction. Number four, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God and the woman of God is a, a, um, uh, a sort of a gener- generic word here. The man of God, the woman of God, may complete, be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So why do we look at the Psalms? Because it's part of the all scripture. In fact, really the book of Psalms is the largest book in the Bible. Because, you know, if you took uh, each of the psalms as a chapter, there's 150 psalms there. 
So we, we uh, study the Psalms because they're written under inspiration of the Spirit. Now I'd like you to turn to a very important scripture in my mind, and some of you may uh, have heard me sort of speak on this a little bit before, but just in case you haven't, I'd like you to turn to Luke chapter 24. We're not going to be able to look at all the scriptures, but uh, I've given you enough to uh, look at between now and the second coming. All right, Luke chapter 24. And uh, because I'm talking to a very intelligent bunch of people again, very good, amen, down here, very sick over here. Okay, I'm talking to a very intelligent bunch of people. That's better. Okay, now, in the chapter here, we have uh, the previous chapters, we have the, the, uh, the death, the crucifixion of our Lord Jesus, and his burial and his resurrection. And in this chapter... Uh, glance over verse 13, uh, 13, we find that there's two disciples uh, going to a village called Emmaus, uh, about three score furlongs from Jerusalem. And uh, just paraphrase a little bit here, they talk together of everything, they converse and reason uh, together of, of the things that had happened. Then we're told in verse 15, so it was while they converse and reason that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. Now, in verse 16, and depends what translation you've got, uh, I like the old one here. It says, but their eyes were restrained. Uh, I don't know what your translation, their eyes uh, uh, were holden. Old tra- translation, uh, they were restrained. So if you mark your Bible, I want you to underline that word restrained. Their eyes were restrained uh, so that they did not know him. Now, think of this because of what, what we're getting into here while we study the Psalms, uh, Jesus is right there with them in person. And somehow he must have disguised himself. They didn't recognize him. They didn't believe that he was risen. And so Jesus is walking with them and uh, as they talking together. So uh, paraphrase a little bit here. And so on verse 17, he says, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? And uh, they said to him, uh, one of them whose name was Cleopas, and said to him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things that have happened in these days? I think Jesus knew it very well because it happened to him. He was the one. But they just didn't, their eyes, are just, they just don't recognize him. And so he, he pleads, well, not ignorance, because he knows it all. He says, What things? And they said, the things concerning uh, Jesus of Nazareth, who is a prophet mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. And we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. And this is the third day since these things happened. And yes, and certain women, all the women said, hallelujah. Uh, you should because the women were last at the cross and first at the tomb. I don't know where the big brave apostles were. Uh, I'm not against my species, but, uh, you know, the women were there at the cross uh, at his crucifixion and saw some things that the men apostles didn't see, and then they were first at the tomb. So they astonished us. In verse 23, they said, we didn't find his body, but they had a vision that he was alive. And uh, 
They went to the tomb, just what the women said, and they did not see him. Now, notice verse 25 onwards, and if you mark your Bible, if if you've already heard me speak a little bit on this, I'd like you to mark one word. We're going to find there's a key word that's used in this paragraph here uh, onwards about three times. And if you mark your Bible, I recommend that you do mark it. So let's uh, pick up in verse 26. So he says, uh, or verse 25, And he said to them, O foolish ones, slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded, and and the Greek word expounded there is from where we get the Greek word hermeneuo, and it has to do with, he explained, expounded, and interpreted, has to do with hermeneutics uh, in all the scriptures, all scriptures given by inspiration of God. So in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself, how many would like to have had that on a CD? or a DVD, that would have been a hot seller. I would like to have had that. As he began with Moses and all the scriptures, he expounded, explained and interpreted in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. All right, now verse 28, I paraphrase a little bit. So they're, uh, they're going on to the village as they go near the village. He indicated that he would have gone further, but they constrained him. Now, in verse 16, you have restrained, but here we have constrained, saying, Abide with us, it's getting on to evening, and the day is far spent. So he went to stay in with them. And uh, verse 30 always moves me. Now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, he took bread, blessed it, broke it, and gave it to them, as only Jesus could do. And if they had been you know, having communion or anything like that. They must have heard that time when Jesus took bread, blessed it, broke it, and gave it to them. Wow, that's the same wording as he did when he fed the 5,000. He took the bread, blessed it, broke it, and gave it to the 12, and they gave it to the people. It's the same language. Now, here's here's the key word, and if you haven't marked your Bible, I want you to notice verse 31. And the key word used three times here, in the passage we're looking at all together, uh, is the word opened. Open. Now notice in verse 31, then their eyes were opened. Now in verse 16, their eyes are restrained. He's right there with them. His presence is there, but they don't recognize him. But suddenly, in the breaking of bread, in the communion service, if you please, their eyes were opened. So opened eyes, number one, and they knew him, and he vanished from their sight. Now, verse 32, the next use of the word opened, if you haven't marked your Bible, I'd like to encourage you to mark it. And they said one to another, did not our heart burn with us? I like always to play on that. How many are suffering from heartburn when you're talking about Jesus and I don't want to be healed? Uh, So he says, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way? And number two, while he opened to us the scriptures. So number one is opened eyes. Their eyes were opened. And then number two, the scriptures were opened. And uh, we have to admit it, if we're really honest, I do. Uh, People often say to me, well, Kevin, after all these years in the Word, look, the more I know, the less I know. 
You'll never exhaust this Bible. What's in this? It's as inexhaustible as the author. If you could exhaust the Bible, you could exhaust the author. But we never will. The more I know, the less I know. The more I study the Word, say, wow, every word's inspired by God. All Scripture given by inspiration of God. So he opened to them the Scriptures. And I believe that the Bible is a sealed book. Unless the Lord opens it to us. You can read it and read it and read it. How many have had this experience? And don't be afraid to put up your hand. You know, sometimes you're reading the Word and say, wow, I've never seen that before. How many have had that? Yeah, all of a sudden, what happened? The Holy Spirit just shone light upon truth. It's been there for 2,000 years or more. But all of a sudden, he just opened it. So opened eyes, opened scriptures. And then I want you to go way down to the third use of the word open. And this is the main part I'm after here. Let's go to verse 44. So why do we study the psalm? Because it's part of all scripture given by inspiration of God. So in verse 44, we're told, And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled. And notice here, if you mark your Bible, this is what I call Christ's own threefold division of the Old Testament. Notice what he says. Which were written, number one, in the law of Moses, number one. And number two, in the prophets, And number three, and in the Psalms concerning me. Now, we would say the law, the Psalms, and the prophets, but uh, Jesus is saying the law and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. So I would like to have been there when Jesus was walking along the road when he got to the Psalms, especially the Messianic Psalms and some of the Psalms we're going to be looking at over these uh, three weeks together, four weeks together. So he opened, and then verse 45 is the third use of the word opened. This is what I want us to pray. Then opened he their understanding, that they might understand the Scriptures. And he said to them, Thus it is written, Thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and arise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And you're witnesses of these things. I'm sending the promise of the Father, but tarry in Jerusalem till he be endured with power from on high. So I want you to know the progression here. Number one, opened eyes. Number two, opened scriptures. And number three, opened understanding. You know what I'd like us to do because as we're going to go into our our second session, we're going to pick up Psalm number one and then the following weeks we'll be picking up various Psalms. So what I'd like you to do is just briefly, we've already prayed, but I'd like you to put your hands over your eyes and let's pray. You pray while I pray. Father, we ask you in the name of Jesus as you open the eyes of the disciples on the Damascus Road, on the road to Emmaus, Lord, that you'll touch our eyes. Help us to see things in the Word that we've never seen before, particularly as we look at the Psalms. Open our eyes. And take your Bible in your hand, and let's pray. Open the Scriptures. Father, in the name of Jesus, the Bible is a sealed book. It cost John tears as he wept. When he saw the seal book, sealed with seven seals in the Father's right hand, Lord, may it cost us some tears. Open the scriptures to us. We just don't, we can read it and not see it. 
apart from you opening the word to us. And then finally, just put our, our hands upon our minds and ask the Lord to open our understanding. You pray it too as I pray. Lord, we just lay our hands upon our, our minds, our, our understanding, our reasoning, our imaginations, our thoughts. And we just pray, Lord, that uh, you'll open our understanding as we go through the Psalms and seeds from the Psalms. Open our understanding, we pray, that we may behold wondrous things out of your word. We ask this in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. All right, now, let's go back to your notes here. So, reason we study the Psalms is all Scripture is part of all Scriptures, given by inspiration of God, that God breathed. God breathed in to the writers what he wanted written out. And then Luke chapter 24, opened eyes, opened Scriptures, opened understanding. Uh, and uh, then... Number three here, right through the book of Acts, you'll, you'll be amazed as I, I've done over the years, uh, the use of Psalms in the book of Acts. And you'll find Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 3, Acts chapter 4, Acts, Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 13. Over and over again, they were appealing to the Psalms. And the thing is, we've got to remind ourselves continually that uh, uh, people say, oh, that's Old Testament. Well, in the early church, they had no Old Testament. They had no New Testament, pardon me. They had the Old Testament. And so anything that God was doing in their midst, they had to go back to the New Testament in the Old Testament. And as uh, one of the early church fathers said, uh, concerning the both Testaments, the New is in the Old contained, the Old is in the New explained, the New is in the Old enfolded, the Old is in the New unfolded, the New is in the Old concealed, and the Old is in the New revealed. Everybody say that after me. Okay, if you've got good memories, you should. Okay, uh, I've said a few times, that's why. Okay, uh, and then uh, uh, as you've got here on your notes here, the early church continually appealed to Christ's own threefold division of the Old Testament into the law, the Psalms, and the prophets as being prophetic of Christ and his church. And then um, when I did an exposition on the book of Hebrews a number of years ago, I find that right through Hebrews, uh, the whole epistle of Hebrews is virtually built on the Psalms. Like uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 1 quotes six of the Psalms. Hebrews chapter 2 quotes Psalm 8 and Psalm 22. Hebrews chapter 3 and 4 quotes Psalm 95 uh, along with Numbers 13 and 14. And then Hebrews chapter 5, 6, and 7 uh, deals with the uh, uh, priesthood of Christ after the order of Melchizedek. And he builds basically the whole of the uh, epistle in, uh, of Hebrews on the priesthood of Christ, Psalm 110 and Psalm 2. In Psalm 2 he says, you are my son. Psalm 110 says, you are a priest. So it's just impossible to understand the New Testament, Book of Acts, or the Book of Psalms, any of the, most of the books there, without uh, uh, looking at the Psalms. So we need to have some understanding of the Psalms. All right, let it be here as time moves on. Use of Psalms in the New Testament, you find in 1 Corinthians 14, 26, uh, when we gather together, and particularly in a smaller uh, life group meeting, you can do this. Every one of you has a tongue interpretation, a psalm, or a song, or a revelation, or a doctrine. So worship in the meetings, singing the psalms. For praise, uh, James 5.13 says, If any is merry, and that's not being tipsy, uh, let him sing a psalm. Sing psalms. And then Colossians chapter 3, verse 16 is a great verse. And we are to admonish one another 
How? In psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. How many churches do this? Next to none, really. So we're to admonish and teach one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Ephesians uh, 5 verse 19 is very similar, and I'll put uh, the brief quote there. Uh, We are to sing and make melody in our hearts to the Lord in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Um, How many, you all look a bunch of chickens to me, uh, for an old man. I just turned 84 a couple of Sundays back. I don't look 84, do I? Louder, 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 please. It it does help me psychologically. Uh, How many of us were around when we used to sing Scripture songs? Believe it or not, a hundred years ago, whatever, I I typed out a list, uh, hold it up though you can't see it, of all the Psalms and the Scripture songs we used to sing in the olden days. So hands up those who were from the olden days and... And I, I wrote a list just from the Psalms. We used to sing Psalm 133, Psalm 134, Psalm 1, Psalm 191, Psalm 67, 121, 138, Psalm 15, Psalm 100. Anybody remember any of these things? Uh, if I had a voice, I'd sing to you. But my father-in-law said, I've got a beautiful voice, just a rough passage out. <laughs> and then these, these are part of the Psalms we used to sing, Scriptures. And uh, it was wonderful in those days, I'm sorry, because we sang the Word into us. We got to know the Word. It was just pure Word. Even if it was old King James, it still rhymed better than some of the newer translations. Thank you, Kevin. Tell us how you really feel. Um, Yeah, while I'm thinking out loud, some of the Pentecostal nursery rhymes and ditties we sing. Uh, No, no, I better quit that. Oh, anyway, you know what I mean, okay? That are devoid many times of sound theology and melody-less. Anyway, we'll, we'll leave that one. You can think out the rest I'm thinking. Okay, all right. Um, yeah, so singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Singing the psalm. We sang the scriptures into it. It was a good brainwashing. And there's plenty of theology in the psalms. <laughs> Not so much on some of the things today. Uh, anyway, I better not say any more about that. Oh, otherwise, I could be excommunicated. Okay, uh, let's, let's go to see t- title of the book. The Hebrew title is Sefer F- uh, Tehillim, something like that, and it means praise or hymn. And then the Hebrew title also is another one, Tefilloth, meaning prayers. And so when you put it all together, the book of Psalms is a book of praise through prayer. And then uh, in the, the number three, the Greek title was Psalmoi, uh, which means a psalter, a psalm. And a, it's, a, a, it's a song of praise accompanied by a harp or a musical instrument. And so in uh, several scriptures there, the Lord commands us to worship him, make a joyful noise to him with psalms. And there's some uh, scriptures there I'd like to encourage you to read. Uh, The the book of Psalms was Israel's national hymn book, Songs for the Redeemed. How many come from a denomination? Pardon me, come out in Jesus' name. Uh, How many come from a denomination where you used to sing the Psalter? Two years I was Presbyterian, believe it or not, till I got water baptized and got all the starch washed out of me. 
But we used to sing the Psalms. That was the only hymn book we had. Well, it's a psalter. We sang the psalm. We sang the word into us. Some still do it. Uh, that would be nice. Thank you, Kevin. All right, letter D, uh, key message in words in the psalms. So when you go through the psalms, the key message of the psalms is worship. It's a book of primarily worship. And then key words, like we have blessed or blessed, uh, blessed 102 times, praise, praises, praised, Praising 189 times, righteous, righteousness, 130 times, good and evil, 102 times, sin and iniquity, 102 times, wicked, wickedness, wickedly, 109 times, prayer, 39 times, sing or song, 122 times. Uh, and so we try to make a sentence out of this. Only the righteous and the good who have forsaken sin, wickedness and iniquity can truly worship the Lord in prayer and praise. Everybody said Amen. Uh, this is a very interesting one under, under letter E here, and uh, I, I tried to do a PowerPoint today, but uh, I put it on the USB, and how many know what USB means? For me, you silly boy. <laughs> Not you, I didn't say you, just me. I didn't say you silly, I said you silly boy. Uh, okay, who said that? Swearing over there? All right. So uh, this is very interesting that the, uh, we, we don't know who put the book of Psalms together. We haven't got any particular record. But uh, there's an ancient saying that says, Moses gave to Israel the five books of the law, and corresponding with these, David gave Israel the five books of Psalms. And some of the new editions uh, ha- have it there. Uh, you'll find that there's uh, the, the Genesis book, Psalm 1 to 41, and uh, basically concerns man. I'll hold this up. I know you can't see it, but that's why I hold it up. I, I did the, the theme of the, the first 41 Psalms, Psalms 1 to 40, 41. The theme is the blessed man, the fallen man, the antichrist man, the redeemer man. Everything is on creation and man in the first book, the Genesis book. And then uh, uh, number two, the Exodus book, Psalm 42 to 72. Uh, is con- uh, yeah, concerning Israel, the chosen nation. And in the uh, diagram I have here that I tried to put on the thing and couldn't, uh, Israel's ruin, Israel's redeemer, Israel's redemption. And uh, that book is the Exodus book and concerns Israel and their redemption. And then number three, the Leviticus book. Uh, how, how many have this in your Bible? All right, some of the newer translations do have it. Why don't you get a decent Bible and be done with it? Okay. Uh, Leviticus book is Psalm 73 to 89, and nearly every psalm concerns sanctuary, the sanctuary. And the theme of uh, the book of Leviticus is holiness, and the theme of these psalms is holiness, the sanctuary and holiness, and dealing with the tabernacle of the Lord. And then uh, number four, you find the Numbers book, and uh, if you have it in some of the older editions, you'll find the Numbers book, Psalm 90 through to 106, and concerns the earth and the nations of the earth, uh, particularly. And then the Deuteronomy book, and this is interesting, uh, we'll try and take a, a psalm or so from each of the books here. Uh, psalm 107 through to Psalm 150, pretty well all the psalms there uh, have to deal with the word. 
the great word psalm, Psalm 119 and so forth. Uh, the word, the word, the word. And that's the burden of the book of De- uh, Deuteronomy. So uh, that's very interesting. So whoever uh, did that, we believe that uh, they were inspired by the Holy Spirit to sort of collate it in, in that fashion. So let me read that statement again. So Moses gave to Israel the five books of the law and corresponding with these, David, because he's the major writer, David gave Israel the, uh, the five books of the Psalms. That's the picture that we have there. All right, now let's go to uh, the next page here. Helps. Uh, is everybody doing okay here? Uh, there's just a good overview of the Psalms. Uh, letter F, helps to understand the Psalms. You can't understand the Psalms unless you get an overview of the, uh, the, the first five books of Moses. In fact, uh, in our next session, we're going to do Psalm 1. And the heart of that is, uh, blessed is the man who meditates in the law of the Lord day and night. And the law was the Torah. That's it. And so the Psalms are riddled with that. Oh, I, oh, how I love your law. Your law is my meditation all the day long. Over and over again, there's reference back to the law of God or to the Torah. Uh, number, uh, you can put Psalm 1 on that for an illustration. Um, number 2, the tabernacle of Moses. Did you know that David gave lots of interpretation to things in the tabernacle of, of Moses, as we refer to it, that you wouldn't understand? So Psalm 15, verse 1, you can put that as a sample scripture. Let me see, I can pick it up. Uh, Psalm 15, verse 1. Yes, he, he starts off in this psalm, a psalm of David. Lord, who shall abide in your tabernacle? Now, which tabernacle? We won't understand unless we understand. Well, who will abide in the tabernacle? Okay, Psalm 15, verse 1. Number three, another important key to understanding uh, this, and uh, in Bible college I had the students do a lot of this, the Levitical offerings, the sacrifices and the priesthood. We're going to be looking at that later on. Uh, the psalm of the Aaronic priesthood and the psalm of the Melchizedek priesthood. You can't understand that without that. And uh, offering sacrifices to the Lord. Uh, Psalm 133 and Psalm 110 would be examples you could put down on your notes. Psalm 133, pardon me, Psalm 110. And then the next one, very important, uh, is the Tabernacle of David. And often through the Psalms you see David referring to Zion and the Tabernacle. I don't know why the, some of the new translations out. One of the Psalms or several of them say uh, about uh, who will be able to enter into your tabernacles. Oh, how I love your tabernacles, plural. Because you see, there was the tabernacle of, of Moses on, uh, on Mount Gibeon and the tabernacle of David on Mount Zion. One had bells and smells and incense and nonsense, uh, but no Ark of the Covenant. One had the, just the Ark of the Covenant and access within the veil with musical instruments. So when the new translators bring it out, they say, oh, they don't know anything about these two tabernacles. So they say, oh, tabernacle. So no, you, you robbed us of something. Oh, how I love your tabernacles. Because the tabernacle of Moses taught its truth. Tabernacle of David taught its truth. Okay, so for that you could put... Um, 
fact, uh, if you want to turn over this one quickly, Psalm, uh, Psalm 68 and verse 25, uh, yeah, verse 25, you'd never understand this unless uh, you understood the tabernacle. So in uh, Psalm 68 and verse 20, uh, 25, it says, the singers went before, the players on instruments followed after, and among them were the damsels playing timbrels. Well, when they brought the Ark of the Covenant, when David brought the Ark of the Covenant, he put it in the tabernacle of David, not the tabernacle of Moses, never went back there again. There was a complete new order of worship with instruments, songs of the Lord, dancing, rejoicing, clapping of hands, everything. And we won't understand that unless we look at some of that. Uh, and then also with that, Psalm 87, verses 1 to 3, Zion, because the tabernacle of David was in Zion. Okay, next one is the Temple of Solomon. Now, I'm not trying to sell a book, but I have written a book on each of these, just to encourage you. Rush and go and buy one. Okay, uh, Psalm 29 and verse 9 says, Everything in your temple cries glory. The temple. So we think of the temple of Solomon, which revelation was given to David. And then number six, a general knowledge of the history of Israel. When we uh, do an historical psalm or a couple of psalms uh, on one of the Sunday evenings, you'll pick that up. Uh, We need to know something of that. And then number seven, uh, why don't you... uh, Yeah, no, I can't, it's too vast. But the historical background of the psalm, where possible, some psalms have superinscription and tells you the general background of where the psalm was written. And then number eight, the last one here, uh, general history and life story of King David. Why don't we turn to a couple of psalms there. Uh, Psalm 73. Psalm 73. And uh, in the superinscription or the title, uh, (laughs) I just happen to have a Bible that doesn't have it in. Can you believe that? You mess up my message tonight, Kevin. Okay. All right. Well, Psalm 73. uh, I'm sorry. Psalm 18. I, I think it has it in. Yes, Psalm 18 in the superinscription or the title it says to the chief musician, a psalm of David, the servant of the Lord, who spake unto the Lord the words of this song in the day that the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. And he said, and then we have the psalm. So you're not going to understand that psalm without that background. Uh, Go to Psalm 34, just one other example. Psalm 34, because I used to read the Psalms when I was young and think, what's all that about? <laughs> so, well, some of it's very helpful in studying a Psalm. So, Psalm 34, and uh, yeah, so uh, uh, Psalm 34, the superinscription or title says, Psalm of David, when he changed his behavior for, uh, before Abimelech, who drove him away and he parted. How many of you remember that story? See? 
We couldn't do it, only some of us, because David let the spittle dribble down his beard. And most of us haven't got a beard, so that's it. Anyway, so impossible. Okay, just for our last few moments here, G, the writer of the Psalms. Now, I want you to note a little point here. There is only one author of the Psalms, the Holy Spirit. But there are a number of writers that God used in writing the Psalms. So people say, oh, there's lots of uh, authors of the Psalms. No, there's one author, the Holy Spirit. That's why there's no contradiction. In the use of the Psalms in New or Old Testament, but one author, the Holy Spirit, but many different writers. And so we're told, uh, Psalms of David, 73 attributed to David. Some say uh, 77, uh, because in the New Testament, say, as it was said by David, even though it's not uh, back here. Uh, Psalms of Asaph, uh, one of the singers in the tabernacle of David. Uh, 12 Psalms at least. Psalms of the sons of Korah, who were in the tabernacle of David also. Uh, 10, Psalm of Heman. Uh, one, Psalm of Ethan or Ethan, one, Psalms of Solomon, they say two. Then we have uh, anonymous Psalms, 17, unknown writers, yet titled Psalms. Uh, then we have what's called orphan Psalms, Psalm without, uh, Psalms without any title, 33. Psalms of Moses, possibly two, or at least one, Psalm 90. And then you can refer to the titles and just check it out. All right, for our last uh, couple of moments before we take uh, a break here, psalm titles. Many of the psalms, not all of them, have titles or prefix inscriptions, either inscriptions or superscriptions, beginning or close of the psalm, giving the following directions. And uh, this is a whole interesting study that we won't be able to get into. Directions to the musician, the choir director or the chief instructor, the name of the author or the writer of the psalm. I particularly emphasize the writer. Uh, number three, the subject or the historical occasion of the psalm. And I put down some samples there. Uh, all of them don't have that. And then this is, uh, number four is interesting. The type of musical instruments to accompany the psalm. Uh, uh, we'll refer to some of these probably as we go through. But some of them were played to wild enthusiastic music <laughs> others they use some of the tunes might shock us all from the philistines because remember music is moral. it's not immoral it can be used to be immoral but it's neutral it depends amoral yeah that's it yeah amoral yeah that's right millennial all right okay so uh, some, some of the psalms tell you what type of music is to be played to, the instruments that were to accompany the psalm. And then number five, the style or type of music. Uh, and the Amplified says about, you know, wild, enthusiastic music. Uh, some of it's too wild for me. Uh, and then uh, number six, the style or type of poetry. And we have this on some of the psalms and others for the titles. And uh, I'd recommend if you haven't got this, if you want to pursue it further, uh, for interpretation of many of these psalm titles, refer to the New American Standard Version or Companion Bible or explore the book by Sidlow Baxter. He gives a lot of uh, uh, good stuff on that. 
Be sure to pick up a copy of Kevin Connor's verse-by-verse exposition on the book of Psalms, available in Australia from word.com.au and internationally from Amazon in paperback and Kindle formats, and as an immediate PDF download from kevinconnor.org forward slash shop.